0: The one I would think of would be, uh, uh, what's his name, from Texas, the, 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 the pothead. Let's
1: go! Let's go! I got you to take that! What you going to punch the table tonight? I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref's just in your way, you hit him. We ain't a podcast for nothing to do. That will take care of y'all chicken. If feel are going to take care of y'all mantle. Welcome into the Fantasy PLEX Execution Podcast. I am your host Brett Peloshadi. With me now, and always, is my boy Kyle Settle. What is going on, dude? That
0: energy, I feel it. You know why? Because football is back. It's back, back. We are back. Back. Right. Back, back. All right. And, all right. Uh, <laughs> and we're off the
1: rails. Right. Right. I wanted to. Uh, you know, you were saying football's back, right? And I'm a big better. I love getting into uh the lines, especially this time of the year. I feel like you can get some value. But I wanted to get your, you know, five weeks out from week one, your prediction, Super Bowl matchup. Oh, Packers Chiefs. Packers Chiefs, huh?
0: Yeah, that one's cake, man. The dream they're not the dream team, the last dance getting together for Green Bay. That narrative's been writing itself for the last couple of weeks. They're the easy pick out of the NFC. I don't think anyone really wants to see Tom Brady get another. I think we're sick of it at this point. And I don't know who else in the NFC is really contending. Uh, Green Bay is definitely my favorite. And then the Chiefs have always got to be a favorite as long as you got old Patty Mahomes under center slinging it back there. They're going to be a favorite just about every year, at least in the conversation.
1: Is is that a uh, sticking with your heart or with your your gut?
0: You know, I I can't always separate the two. So (laughs) I I don't know for sure. I'll take that as
1: a homer pick. Nine times <laughs> out of ten. All right. uh, well, I, I, I assume
0: that you're not putting Philly in there.
1: No, no, certainly not. Uh, I would be more likely to say that they're going to have the number one overall pick uh, this time. Or uh, in about ten months from now.
0: But I, I would say Vegas would put both those odds pretty close to each other. Yeah. Like Super Bowl or so number sad. one pick. It's <laughs> <This is> terrible. <laughs> I think, we talked about this a little bit before, I,
1: I think it's going to be a repeat of last year's matchup. We're going to see Bucks chiefs but this time... Patty Mahomes and Andy Reid get their revenge and Tom Brady rides off into the sunset, passing the torch officially to the new best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes.
0: And we'll see. That'd be boring. I don't want to see it, but I'll probably not bet so heavily on Kansas City and spend the whole Super Bowl counting my (laughs) dollar slip away this time.
1: Yep. (laughs) All right. With that. Let's talk about it. We have a pretty jam-packed show today. A lot of news and notes, a lot of injuries to, to round up.
0: That's right. And our main segment today, we're going rapid fire across the entire AFC. All 16 AFC teams talking about every single one of the fantasy assets that we find notable. And Achoo,
1: it's going to be nonstop. Was that a uh, Star Wars blaster? That Dude, that I've been be? playing the Old
0: Republic nonstop for like the last two weeks. I'm in my Star Wars grind right now. Oh, and, well. and did you hear the last quote from Jordan Love? He was asked about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and he said it's much like a Jedi Padawan relationship. So my two favorite things maybe on the planet merging together. It's beautiful. Got to love it. See what I did there? Yeah, I mean, another, I think it, we can lock it Love. in. Jordan loves his name's Jordan Love. After that, hey,
1: hey. <laughs> he's a boss. <bust. laughs> when he plays, you know, in his fourth season, uh, we'll finally be able to, sure. <laughs> to know for sure. But as of dude, right that's now, the
0: future of my franchise. Please don't try to take that <laughs> away from me. All right, so
1: let's get into the news,
0: ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen cannonball x X extreme. read all about it check it out newspapers for sale
1: we have breaking news breaking news i'm toasted you are fake news and boom goes the dynamite the biggest news of the day josh allen gets a six-year 258 million dollar extension i can't even count that high Josh Allen is rolling in the dough.
0: Yeah, it's a six-year extension, so that's on top of the two years he has left in his rookie contract. So Josh Allen's now under contract until his age 32 season. For context, that's the same age as, like, I think Matthew Stafford, uh, Russell Wilson, guys who have been in the league for forever. That's how old the – yeah, channel. I think he's 32, 33, somewhere in there. That's how old Josh Allen's going to be breaking down the contract a little bit like you said six-year 258 million dollar extension if needed I don't think we're predicting this but if needed there's a potential out after the 2025 season which would make Josh Allen a 30-year-old free agent that comes with an 8.4 million dollar dead cap hit and then nothing on the books after that but uh, as far as the money itself goes heck of a deal 43 million dollar annual salary which I think Mahomes when he signed he got 50 a year right yeah. Okay. So it gets a little bit closer for a salary we didn't think was going to be touched for a while when Mahomes signed that $50 million a year deal. It still may not be eclipsed anytime soon, but Allen's at least in the ballpark pulling in 43 million over the next eight years. That's crazy. Or 43 per year over the next eight years.
1: Yeah. So I'm not a salary cap expert by any means, but for what I've been reading and hearing, the seller cap is going to reset here shortly and the money that's going to be thrown around to lower tier players is really going to eclipse some of the numbers that we're seeing now get paid to top-notch guys like josh allen so this is really smart for the bills to get this done now um i think if if uh you know, Kyler Murray was closer to his deal that he would get it done now, but I'm sure his agent knows, uh, like some other young quarterbacks, their agents know that this salary craft thing is gonna is gonna really spike here in about a year or two. And that's when you got the Allen year done. Deal. And yeah.
0: we're gonna have the Lamar deal soon. We're gonna have probably a Baker deal soon. That entire class, uh, Darnold will probably get paid by someone, but it won't be in the same ballpark as these other guys that hit. Uh being that Allen was the first one, it does make you wonder what the Browns and the Uh, Ravens are going to do now with their franchise quarterbacks, obviously also up for deals. Allen just set the market at a pretty damn high number. So can you pay? I I don't think Baker's going to eclipse this, but Lamar, his agent's going to be asking for something close to this. And who knows if the Ravens or the Browns are even going to sniff this number, but you know, both these quarterbacks are going to be out there asking for it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Lamar with an MVP trophy under his belt, he's definitely going to demand something like this, if not more. And Josh Allen's been quoted before as saying he doesn't need to be paid as a top five guy in order to be comfortable because he wants to, the money to get spread around so they can get better talent in there, uh pay guys to stay as opposed to uh having to pay or having to... uh cheap out in free agency in order to to handle his salary. I mean, he's been quoted saying things like that in the past. So, you know, if there's another quarterback out there like Lamar and Baker that think differently, uh, they may be fighting for a lot more. And I don't know if Cleveland's going to be willing to pay, but I think think Baltimore's definitely going to be willing to pay Lamar, and and as they should, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, both come with huge risks. So it's going to be interesting to see. Like, not that Josh Allen isn't a risk, because, I mean, look at the first three years of his career. He's had one good year and two stinkers, but it was enough for uh, Buffalo to go ahead and – put the pen to paper
1: the most important position the hardest one to really lock down when you get it you keep it moving on the hall of fame game was last night i think it was uh it was fun it was great to see football back but uh you know by the second half i was already ready for preseason to be over uh, yeah. <laughs> as much as I as much as I love like draft draft prospects and young players, it's just, you know, these guys aren't going to matter much when it comes to the regular season uh, other than just depth and uh, definitely not for fantasy. So it's hard to get super excited by a lot of these players. But, man, I was so surprised to see. Yes, the I already know work what you're going to say. That some of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys yep. players were getting. Like Michael Parsons, first round pick, who was uh, had some bumps and bruises coming to the draft, pros- or, uh, draft process, he got like three series on defense, which is insane to me. Uh, you know, in a year where you're the only team playing a fourth preseason game, you're going to throw your rookie first round pick out there. Um, along with Najee Harris on Pittsburgh side. Yep. Chase Claypool, guy who showed a lot of promise as a rookie. Had Deontay an amazing, Johnson's
0: got a see. Yeah, Deontay too.
1: Johnson was out there. Yeah. I mean, Chase Claypool came down on his shoulder. looked like he broke his collarbone. And I was like, yes. this is why you don't play your studs in, in preseason almost at all, especially not in preseason week one. These guys have a week of practice under their it's belt. It's the Hall of like, Fame game.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, Chill out. You and I, I remember we were having this conversation going into it. And then obviously during the games, I, could, I couldn't believe how many relevant players were out there on the field and how long they were out there. Coach Tomlin came out before the game. Uh, ever happened and said he's going to play Najee for all four preseason games and the same thing I told you yesterday I think this is just two old school coaches bringing in their old school mentality of playing their guys during the preseason and shortly after that I think it was uh, earlier this afternoon or maybe yesterday Sean McVay came out and he said yeah Matt Stafford's not sniffing the field during preseason there's no <laughs> yeah. way I'm playing this guy just the differences between the old school and new school coaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and it's probably you know History is probably going to favor that new school approach of, of keeping your studs off the field until it's necessary. But yeah, I think so. That's enough of that. Some fallout from the Hall of Fame game. James Washington, wide receiver, former second-round pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has requested a trade. Um, do you think he can go anywhere where his value will be uh, you know, pretty relevant in, in Dynasty, or is he just a, a later-tier wide receiver that we don't have to think about much?
0: Yeah, i I put him, because they're in a similar situation, I'm going to go ahead and lump these two together, but him and Nikhil Harry, I pretty much think the same thing about that. I was a lot higher on them as prospects, but when you come into the league and you find yourself buried on a depth chart within your first two or three seasons, like his, his career's going in the wrong direction. I don't think that this is a Pittsburgh thing. I don't think we can... New England, we had all the excuses ever that they just can't pick receivers, but Pittsburgh's the exact opposite side of the spectrum. They know how to pick these whiteouts. They do an outstanding job in the draft every year, and I think that really uh, boosts. To James Washington's value when he whenever he first came out, he was a day two pick, right? Second round, yeah, pick. second round pick. So there was all all the opportunity in the world, and it just fell apart. He obviously had Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster for the, there for a while. A B leaves, and now you got these new guys, and it took Chase Claypool a year, Deontay Johnson a year, and they're already surpassing him on the depth chart. He would have to go to a just barren receiver core, think maybe Detroit Lions, maybe New Orleans Saints-esque for him to get on the field anytime soon. If he goes to one of those places and I'm an owner, I'll I'll sell there while the value's hot because I don't see any career resurgence happening for him anytime soon, no matter where he ends up, if he gets dealt.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, Pittsburgh was – presumably a really good landing spot for any wide receiver and not to mention he got there after or he got there alongside his college quarterback Mason Rudolph, yeah. with those guys from Oregon State. Or was that Oregon State or Oklahoma State? One of those okay, okay O K State. OK State. State Yeah, one of those O State schools. Um but he played, you know, with his college quarterback in the NFL, still didn't have much success. Couldn't really uh get a snapshot that was worthy of uh you know, a ton of targets or anything like that. And it's just, I can't get excited about him. I'd much rather have, I know this is why people come to listen for takes like this, but I would much rather have Nikhil Harry than James Washington right now. I think McKeel Harry can recoup a lot of his value. I don't think James Washington could go anywhere where the situation was set up better. And, uh, you know, he's, he, if he couldn't fire there, I don't know if he's fired anywhere. Our next bit of news, Trey Lance, man. The hype is really firing on Which Trey Lance. So Kyle Shanahan quoted us saying he will get situational snaps, which is interesting considering, um, you know, like a few days before that, he was saying he doesn't plan on giving Trey Lance any first team reps. Right. Things are are moving for Trey Lance, and I don't think the hype is unwarranted. We knew that he was extremely physically talented. Word on the street going into the draft process and coming out of it was that he's very, he's there mentally as well, you know, he's mature, he's he's ready to learn an NFL style offense and the intricacies of, of how different it is and, and you know, the different facets that, you know, college coaches and college game plans don't really take into effect. So Trey Lance has it up here. Great mobility, great arm talent. And, man, I think it's just a matter of time until Kyle Shanahan sucks it up. You
0: know what he has. And
1: gets him in, uh, you know, as his QB1. He
0: has balls. Direct quote from Debo Samuel. This kid has balls. He's super talented. You and I were talking about it. I think we share what uh 3 3 leagues together you and I. Yep. And there's two players that either you or myself have rostered in all three of those leagues and Trey Lance is one of them. You and I have been talking about all season, all off season that his stock continues to go up. He has one of the highest if not the highest ceilings uh among this entire draft class and like you said, the narrative short, sort of shifting a little bit where it goes from now. Nah, he's not going to get on the field. and No, he's not getting first team snaps. And nah, OK, we're only going to put him on sometimes. Who who knows where we're at a lifetime from now whenever week one comes around. Uh, as far as Lance goes, he's one of our highest risers from the offseason. I think you and I both have him unanimous at our 102 in drafts right now. So if you were able to get a hold of him early on, maybe at the 103, 104, if he slips a little bit in drafts, then you're really loving to hear this news come out of San Francisco one of the
1: a really good point i heard about trey lance the other day that i haven't really heard anybody else bring up is that you know he didn't really play he played one game of college football last year and he comes into the nfl and they're saying he's not going to get any real live snaps he's not going to see live bullets if you're an nfl coaching staff you're looking at a player that's only played one game in the last calendar year and you're going to sit him for another year like that's the whole rest over rust kind of thing like that is a ton Maybe. of time not playing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's more detrimental than just getting in the reps. Like, the roster around him is very good. The coaching staff we all believe in can build a game plan around almost any quarterback. Why not give the rookie some play now and get what you can get out of Jimmy Garoppolo
0: and the trade? Because they're Super Bowl contenders that's what they are. So I mean, you're you're going out there. Jimmy already proved he can get you to the game. He already got you there once. Now he probably has improved talent around him as, tar- as far as the team as a whole and the goal is Super Bowl for San Francisco. If you put Trey Lance in there, your ceiling may be even higher, but your floor goes a lot lower. Your range of outcomes shifts dramatically if you turn to a rookie quarterback for a team that's aspiring for a Super Bowl. So I think it's it's just more a conservative play to say that Jimmy's our guy. We're riding with him until we know for sure that Trey Lance can offer us the same type of floor that we get from a Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: I, I, yeah, I understand that angle. I just I don't know, maybe I'm just looking at it from you know outside hey, looking that, in. That's it's not easy my for angle. Me. Yeah, that's not, not, not the side in. I would take. It's easy say. for me to say, "Hey, just put Trey Lance in there." But I, I totally see your sure. point. right? You know, if you're, if you're actively managing an NFL franchise, you don't really want to take that risk with a with a roster as good as it is, and you know your Super Bowl aspirations in in this you know this upcoming year. But the last thing I'll say about Trey Lance: Are you concerned at all about the weapons maybe taking a hit in their value if Trey Lance becomes a starter? Because you know, as we know. Mobile quarterbacks, younger quarterbacks tend to not be able to facilitate a ton of production and uh, fantasy points from, from their uh, supporting cast. So, so what do you think about that?
0: I don't think it'll be anything noticeable. If there's a dip, it's not going to be surprising, especially during that transition period. If it results in the offense as a whole getting better, I think that the three main guys there are are still going to maintain their fantasy value being Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. So if, if the offense is a lot better, cause San Francisco hasn't been a team built around offense. They've always had a solid running game since Shanahan and Lynch have been there, but the defense has been the staple of why they've been a dominant team when they have been good. If it turns into a more complete team where the passing game and just the offense as a whole becomes better. Suddenly you have more touchdown opportunities, some, uh, higher value touches going to these guys so even if the volume sort of falls down a little bit the value of each of these touches in a better offense is probably going to be enough to carry him. If, if i think that upside is there with lance which you and i both do then no i'm not worried about the weapons around him and i know what the past says about rookie quarterbacks and obviously mobile quarterbacks but i think lance is talented enough and more importantly his weapons are talented enough that they'll maintain their value even if he's under center very well you know I can't really argue with that I think I think time will tell and uh you know that's a good
1: mentality to have going into this is you know a wait and see but you can expect maybe a little bit of uh of down a little bit of a downturn to start when Lance comes in but finally our last bit of news to Sean Watson there's some rumors swirling so I mentioned his name earlier but I just want to appreciate Jay Glazer for a second I love all five six of that bald bastard he throws out <laughs> He throws out news in, he does like these little news dumps where like he'll throw out four or five things all at once and yeah. he never, he never misses, man. I, I really like Jake Lazor, So shout out to him, but he's saying that Houston Texans are no longer taking calls or responding to calls for a potential Deshaun Sean Washington trade. Uh, they're in their opinion, you know, they still think that there's a chance that he's going to come back and he wants to play for the Houston Texans, be the quarterback down there. Uh, I think it's kind of foolish. I think you know if you can get something for him uh, before you know the the potential uh, legalities really fall out, and you know why not do it? You're a brand new work, brand new uh, front office and head coaching uh, duo there, so it's not like you're you're on a short leash. You know you got quite a bit of time to build a roster, and and it's just not going to happen with Deshaun Watson in Houston,
0: in my opinion. What what month is this? Is this August? Because this is the exact <laughs> yeah. same headline that was being put out in March, is it not? Just the Something the like rumors that, yeah. start flying off the shelf and then it's just Houston saying or you get the sources saying oh they're close to a deal and then Houston comes out and said no, nah, they're not. They're not going anywhere. And now here we are six months later doing the exact same thing, and it's like you can point to the rumors, you can point to the fact that he's missed four straight days of practice for undisclosed reasons, and when he is practicing, it's as as the free safety. Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on there in Houston? I, I don't understand it at all.
1: Uh, I think you're one of many that that don't understand what's going on in Houston. I mean, it's only fitting we got to get a you got to you got to put a drop in here. You know, Houston, we we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And things you are not definitely good. do. Things are not good down there. Just
0: pick in a Houston. damn lane, you know? It's like either move forward with him as your quarterback, and when the legal repercussions come down the line, then you deal with it then, or you move on and you try to make it someone else's problem. But they're living in this middle-of-the-road purgatory, and they just need to get their shit together. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. As someone with zero investment in the Houston Texans, I'm tired of watching this franchise try. Hey, but
1: shout-out Nico Collins. getting a lot of first-team reps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's the positive spin.
1: All right, we're moving on to our injury roundup. Once again, this is going to be a regular segment for us. Unfortunately, it is the nature of the game of the game that we play. So, first things first, Justin Jefferson, a lot of people's dynasty, wide receiver one, sprained his AC joint. Um, word on the street is, is he'll still be ready for week one. It shouldn't be a long-term injury, uh, but an injury nonetheless, and, and something that you obviously don't want to see headed into week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what's your take on this? Are you worried about Justin Jefferson?
0: Oh boy. It gave a lot of people a scare there for a little bit. There was about a 30 minute window where all we had was him coming down on his shoulder, sort of collarbone type area. And I'm sure all the owners were bracing for the worst. Cause he just, I don't know if you've seen the clip or not yet. He came down right there at the top of his body and just started grip. It looked just like a collarbone. Every collarbone I've ever seen broken. It looked just like that. That's honestly what I thought it was at first. Minnesota dodges a huge bullet there and all the Justin Jefferson fantasy owners as well.
1: Yeah. And that would have been, uh, that would have massive ramifications. Say if he misses oh, you know, half the season or, or even three quarters of the season. I mean, you got everybody's fading Adam Thielen right now. His, his value probably would have spiked uh, having a bunch of volume open up in that offense. Uh, Dalvin cook probably even would have got a bump because you know, when you're missing your wide receiver one in an offense, you tend to lean more on the run game as a philosophy uh, so that would have had massive implications coming into the year. You know, happy to hear that he's he's fairly healthy just to sprain AC joint. Going back to New Orleans for some continued bad news coming out of the bayou. Traquan Smith missing practice with an apparent leg injury. That's all the information we have about it right now. But the fact that he was the supposed wide receiver one coming into the year, now that Michael Thomas is out of there uh, for the foreseeable future, and he is injured. So, you know, who's the major beneficiary here?
0: Uh, the obvious answer is going to be Marquez Calloway. And when you asked me a couple weeks ago, I was more or less hesitant. And I, you asked me, would, would I rather take Traquan Smith or Marquez Calloway at ADP? I told you I'd rather wait and take Calloway because he's going to go a couple rounds later. With this news coming out and just the overall track record that we've seen from Traquan Smith over the last couple of years when he's been given opportunity, I don't know that I'm taking Traquan Smith ahead of Marquez Calloway at any cost. I think I might rather have Marquez Calloway because all the buzz out of New Orleans is that he's running with this role right now and although he's not going to be obviously the long-term number one there he, he's got fantasy value just one thing to keep in mind before the hype gets too out of control is he is an undrafted free agent he is relatively undersized so it, although he may not have a number one type role there there probably is some fantasy value to be mined out of him in new orleans
1: yeah he, he's getting the opportunity we know opportunity is king in fantasy And uh it's a good time to see what you have in Marquez Callaway. Obviously don't go out and spend a bunch of assets trying to trying to get him on your team, but if you got him, it's a great time to have him and and, uh you know, a little wait and see approach. Uh if you decide to sell high, I wouldn't blame you. I don't know if he's gonna hold on to that role long term, but but as of right now he's the number one in New Orleans and that's almost uh you just you can't get that as late as you're getting Marquez Callaway, uh with another player.
0: Sooner or later than Thursday of next week that we get our first big roto world blurb about how impressive Adam Troutman has looked in training camp. Cause I feel it coming. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. we haven't seen it yet. Everyone's favorite late sleeper, tight end late round tight end. I'm, I'm just waiting for the article to come out for the tweet to hit send and see that everyone's blowing up at how well Adam Troutman's playing with all these vacated targets. It's coming. Get ready but for
1: it, it. It's not news anymore. I mean, do you hear people talking about how good Deandre Hopkins looks? No. Because it's all oh, Okay. Suit. Yeah. That's how Adam Troutman is, is Adam nuke. Troutman, DeAndre Hawkins. I mean,
0: Roger. That's yin and Same yang. guy.
1: <laughs> oh, I love Adam Troutman. Who else do I love? Devontae Smith. This, this one hurts. He's out two to three weeks with an MCL injury. Another one of those, you know, scares for, for a beloved wide receiver. Like we talked about, with Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith coming into the league with a lot of hype, a lot of, uh, potential opportunity up for grabs in Philadelphia and now he's out two or three weeks. And this coincides with the report that uh Jalen Rager, you know, is having a really good few days of training camp uh once Devontae Smith kinda you know has to sit down for a little while. So man, Philly is uh <laughs> it's just another year full of injuries. I mean it's it's just <laughs> you it's sound like so clockwork. Beaten. It's it's like clockwork, dude. It's you every sound off-season, so defeated Every beginning of the season, no matter what excitement you have, it is immediately throttled by injuries in Philadelphia. It's just the way it is. There's two
0: teams. There's two teams, and Philly doesn't have it as bad as the other one. The LA Chargers are still the king of injuries. I don't think you can take that crown from them. No, no. As far as the injury to Smith himself, I don't think it's anything to uh, move his dynasty value around at all. He should still be the number one on that team by the end of this season. So I'm not worried about missing a couple weeks. It sucks to see rookies miss time in training camp. He's obviously going to be held out of a preseason game or two that he may have been able to get some snaps in. But I'm not reading too much into it as opposed to the next injury that we're going to talk about, a very similar one for a guy who's sort of been taking that injury-prone label over the last couple years, and that's Kenny Galladay. He came down in practice, came up limp, and uh looks like he's going to be out a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. And any Kenny Galladay dynasty owner or redraft owner from last year will tell you that the last thing you want to hear is another Kenny Galladay injury. He had a couple of them last year that ended up costing him, I think, 12 games. So to see him come out and immediately get hurt again, which Joe Judge probably made him run for getting hurt, I would imagine, is the way that they're running things out there. Oh, jeez. It's so depra- Like That team... We just talked about Houston. I just kinda of went off on them, but the New York Giants, same ballpark. I don't know what the hell they're doing. It's just this is just another Belichick disciple, head coach, trying to do Belichick things when you're not Bill Belichick. You can't do it. All right. It's been failed every time. Like we see it happen every At least two to three years, we see a new Belichick disciple go somewhere, try to take on the same Belichick mentality the New England Patriots way and try to turn around a losing franchise with that mentality. It doesn't happen. The way you want to cheer around a franchise is to do it the same way that Robert Sala is doing it on the New York Jets. Which, by the way, this is kind of coming to me. You and I are talking up the Jets. It feels like almost every show. About I weekly. think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take them on as like our adoptive team this season. So this go is the New York Bay, Jets, fan go podcast. Philly, <laughs> yeah, and then go New York Jets. The next Kansas City Chiefs franchise. Like the, <laughs> oh, he, he completely he completely dispelled. I think he was asked directly about Judge making his guys run laps. And he went on his field that got retweeted everywhere. He's just, no, I'm more about personal accountability as opposed to accountability to someone else. You hold yourself accountable. You use that. I don't want to make my team run laps. These are grown-ass men, all right? Their accountability should be to themselves, not to their team. And it's two completely different approaches. It's going to work wonders in the New York Jets. On the other side of that stadium, the New York football giants can expect another few years in football hell. Yeah, I
1: mean, unless you're Brian Flores, who's, who's kind of a, uh, apparently he has the same coaching mentality as Bill Belichick, but he's more like Bill Belichick Light down there in Miami. You know, any other disciple, like you said, that has left there has just, you know, went down in flames.
0: I mean, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, these it are this guys. This takes that, back for 20 years. You yeah, and I'd be listing guys for forever. Yeah, those are
1: just the two recent that come to mind. And I know Joe Judge is still fairly new and he had a, a solid first season. Um, but, I mean, the fact remains he's a he's a special teams coach who's more of a rah rah guy than an X's and O's guy. And I just don't see him panning out in New York. And, and the reports coming out of training camp are not inspiring. I mean, they're having massive fights. They have guys running laps. Like, this isn't, remember the Titans, dude. You're not a coach, Yost. All right? Just back off. A little he's going to
0: run them down <laughs> to Gettysburg before training camp <laughs> is over. And then they're all going to unite as one. Hot lead. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. God, what a movie. Uh,
1: but yeah, I've been been—I've been vocal about how concerned I am about Kenny Galladay uh, before we went on this tangent about the Giants. That's who we we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been vocal about how concerned I am about him, and this doesn't help two to three weeks of the hamstring injury in a brand new offense, new city, wide receiver switching teams, a lot of narratives thrown out there that, that usually lead to a slow start, if not a totally totally a bust season. And I think Kenny Galladay is in line for a bust season. I don't think he has a chance to live up to his wide receiver two ADP. And uh yeah, I mean I'm totally I'm totally out at this point. Between the injuries, uh the culture that he's walking into, uh, the suspected role, the guy he's catching passes from I am out on Kenny Galladay.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Who would you rather have in a startup right now, Kenny Galladay or Julio Jones? <sighs> What's the age
1: difference? Like, like five years,
0: six it's, years? It's up there. I think Galladay's twenty-seven. Julio's thirty-three. Uh, Off the top of the
1: uh, just for valuation purposes, because I'm sure a lot of people don't think of Kenny Galladay the way I do. I would take Kenny Galladay.
0: All right, good. Because I, think As an I, owner of Kenny Galladay, I needed to hear you say that. Because <laughs> I think I
1: can get a lot more out of Kenny Galladay than I will out of Julio Jones. And, you know, I'm still skeptical of my own evaluations, which I, I always say is an important feature to have as a, as an owner. You know, you don't want to look at your team with, with rose-colored glasses at all times. You want to have, yeah, you wanna be able to have... The IKEA effect. Yeah, you want to be able to have skepticism in your own evaluation. Maybe I'm wrong about Kenny Galladay. He comes out and he's a solid wide receiver two in 2021 uh, with some even more upside going into 2022. That'd be great. Don't do, I think it's going to happen. Absolutely not. Um, But do somebody out there does. So I think I can get a lot of value for him where Julio Jones being as old as he is as a wide receiver two in his own offense. um, I'm not sure you can get a ton for him at this point. And uh, he has a reported leg injury, quote unquote, nothing major, according to Shefty. Um, so you being a dynasty owner of Kenny Galladay, I'm going to ask you the same question. Would you rather have Julio
0: Jones or Kenny Galladay? If I'm ready to win Julio Jones. Holy. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it sucks, but Julio Jones is a generational talent. I know I throw that some, that out sometimes and maybe I shouldn't. It's not one of those times when I'm talking about Julio Jones, he really is a generational type talent. He's a unicorn out there. I, I think he's going to be outstanding this season. We got a bold prediction episode coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I will be talking about Julio Jones in one of those bold predictions. We'll just leave it at that. All right. But I I still expect big things from Julio this year and for the next couple.
1: What a tease, man. You're getting good at this. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We're a few shows deep
1: now. We're figuring it out. Yeah, there it is. Going back to Baltimore, Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards both activated from the COVID list. This is good news, right? Usually our injury roundup is full of bad news. Uh, this is good to hear. Uh, these guys are getting back on the field. Um, I think you can be comfortable in your preseason evaluation of these guys. Um, seems like they're going to be on the field ready to go for week one. And finally, our last injury news. Dak Prescott expected to be ready by week one. I don't know if you caught it at halftime during the uh, Hall of Fame game. He had a little interview Oh, I man. had to
0: fast forward through it because I was at work, and so I was playing on catch up. So I had to fast forward through halftime and commercials to keep up with the game because it was so important that I watched these fourth and fifth stringers and the third <laughs> quarter eat the snot out of each other.
1: Yeah, I, I dude, it sucks like being an Eagles fan and watching Dak Prescott because I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's better than most Eagles fans think he is, and I, I also and I also like him as a as like a player, like his mentality, the way he approaches the game. Is awesome to see. Like, they asked him, I think it was uh, Michael Strahan asked him, you know, are are you concerned about the pressure, you know, having just gotten a contract, having the ankle, coming off the ankle injury? Like, are are you feeling the pressure or everything? And, you know, he says, like, looks dead in the camera, and he says, he says, pressure is a privilege. He's like, if I have pressure on me, that means – I have an opportunity nice. to be great. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is a legend. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love Dak Prescott, which is terrible to say because I'm an Eagles fan, but man, he's he's awesome to, to watch. And I, I really think he's gonna come back with a vengeance in 2021.
0: Hey, all the owners have their fingers crossed. Go deck. There it is.
1: We are moving into our rapid fire segment. <laughs> do,
0: do, 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 do. All well, right. That's not a sound effect by the way. I'm just really good at that machine gun sound. <laughs>
1: That's That sounds great. That sounds right out of Die Hard, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good. Fantastic. Noises. So we're breaking
1: this up by division. Kyle gets the North and the South divisions. I get the East and the West. But we'll be riffing off of each other as we go. So, yes. Kyle, you are taking the lead. Let dun, me dun, hear dun, dun. what you got to say about the AFC North
0: Alright, AFC North, let's try to make it quick. Let's start with the Bungles, or no, I think they've earned the right to be called the Bengals at this point with how much young talent that they have around him. At quarterback, Joe Burrow, apparently he's having a rough camp coming off of the injury, but I'm not concerned at all as an owner. I still have him as a low-end QB1. Joe Mixon, wait for him to have the best season of his career this year. Still only 25 years old, just turned 25 a couple of weeks ago. Plenty of upside as a low-end RB1. Wide receiver core, one of the best 1-2-3 punches in the league. Jamar Chase t higgins tyler boyd i think all of these guys you can make a case for that their values in drafts right now chase usually is the first one off the board but i like the value of higgins and boyd later on if i miss out on that the only weakness to this offense is the tight end room where you have the young and unproven drew sample and the aging veteran cj uzama not really sold on either of these guys i don't think they have much fantasy relevance Uh, I think the tight end of the future for that Cincinnati offense is still probably not on the roster. So we'll see where they go. So in short, big fan of the Cincinnati Bengals' weapons. They're young. They are unproven, but they have an upside sky high.
1: Totally. I will even, I'll double down on your Joe Mixon hype and say that he's going to finish as a top six back by far the best year of his career this year. Along with Joe Mixon, I think you're getting a great season out of T. Higgins, a guy that a lot of people kind of forgot about because Jamar Chase is there now. So buy that Jamar Chase lead, Jamar hype-led dip that you're seeing from T. Higgins. Buy T. Higgins where you can get him. I think you can sell Tyler Boyd now uh, before he inevitably loses out on a ton of volume uh, between T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. And the tight end landscape, totally barren cj uzama is the name to know but i don't think he's going to be game changing for anybody um, he had a solid first few weeks when he was healthy and joe barrio was healthy uh, they had they kind of looked pretty good together uh, but nothing nothing that you need to write home about a guy you can grab extra late if you uh, punt the tight end position and i love joey bones as that low end tight end one qb1 one, excuse me great floor to ceiling combo because of his own talent and the wider series at his disposal so you know arrows reporting up and since he
0: For the Cleveland Browns, quarterback Baker Mayfield, high floor, low ceiling. I am out on single quarterback leagues, but I like him as a QB2 slash QB3 in Superflex. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, both bring their own value. Chubb obviously just signed his extension uh, earlier this off season. So he's going to be the staple of that offense for the next several years. Kareem Hunt going into free agency might be a buy. Maybe he gets himself put in a situation like a Miami where he can get an extended workload next year. Maybe he re-signs in Cleveland. Either way, I like him as a low end RB2 and RB3 moving forward both of these wide receivers I'm cutting bait with bait with as soon as they have a good week this season Odell Beckham Jarvis Landry I want nothing to do with them both are up there in age well past their prime in a low-volume offense two young or. Er, two younger players sort of in the wings and waiting donovan peoples jones and anthony schwartz i'm buying these guys at the low end of my bench i think they could be the next one two punch albeit in a low volume offense i do think they have plenty of brighter days ahead of them at tight end the top two on this list are huge sells. hopefully you got out from under them already austin hooper and david Njoku want nothing to do with them don't think either of them are cleveland browns here in a couple years one guy i do think is going to be on the team as the tight end one is harrison bryant another name that i think should be stashed at the end of all benches. Maybe go out and make a move now while he's buried on the depth chart.
1: Yeah, Chubb, I, I agree with almost everything you said. Chubb, Chubb a great, safe RB1, RB2 kind of limited ceiling when, when you have a, a Hunt-level pass catcher uh, in the backfield with him. Speaking of Cream Hunt, I think he's a solid RB2 for teams that are kind of punting RB2 in drafts, looking to get more value in the wide receiver position, or maybe a team that had Cam Akers. Uh, go out, try to get Hunt as a good fill-in, a guy that can kind of lessen that blow that that you're feeling from the camp makers news. OBJ is dead to me. I've never been more sure about fading a player at cost than OBJ. There's so many players (laughs) that are going around him that I would much rather have over him. So fade OBJ, like your life depends on it. Um, Like you said, I I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's a good stash. I like Harrison Bryant, also a good stash. And Baker, solid, safe QB2 and super flex. Uh, you can get him relatively cheap, I think, if, you, if you're kind of struggling at QB2. Uh, and he's still young. He's going to be in the league for a little while. A guy that you could throw out there as your QB2 and super flex And uh, not expect a ton out of him, but not going to be a much of a liability, I think, on your roster.
0: Next up, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, former MVP. He's the QB2 in Dynasty that you can buy with a QB5 or 6 price tag right now. I'm a huge fan wherever I can get him. If the owner's out after a rough season last year where he finishes about the QB10, go get him if you can. This guy's rushing upside is still something we've never seen before in the NFL. Don't forget it. At running back, J.K. Dobbins, I think he is the NFL's next iteration of Nick Chubb, the guy that we just talked about with the Cleveland Browns. I could see a very similar career archetype, and a guy backing him up, Gus Edwards, is a steal late in drafts. Expect for him to have plenty of volume. Won't Neither one of these guys are going to do a ton in the receiving game, but they should have plenty of touchdown opportunities on a good offense. At wide receiver, Rashad Bateman is the only real buy for me. I think he still is a WR1, and if Lamar starts to get it done more with his arm, Rashad Bateman is eventually going to be leading that receiver room. Marquise Brown, I am stripping the title of Hollywood from his name. He has not earned it. He has let us down (laughs) season after season for the last couple of years, and I am not buying. He's a deep threat decoy and a low-volume passing offense. I'm hands off. Sammy Watkins, a solid value if you are a contender in shallow at receiver. Apparently, he's been lighting up camp as the WR1 right now in Baltimore. I think he's fine if you need someone to fill in on bye weeks or fill in for an injury as your wide receiver three or your flex. And then tight end, Mark Andrews, he is one of the just stay holders in that tier two of tight ends. Solid value if you got him, you're happy with him, and you don't have to worry about the tight end position.
1: I agree with most of everything you said, but the Sammy Watkins stuff. I mean, yeah, fool me once, out there. shame on you.
0: There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on Shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled
1: again. We me once can't get fooled again. You won't fool me again. <laughs> you won't fool me again. I love, love, love J.K. Dobbins. I hate, hate, hate that he will not catch more than 25 balls this year. That just is always the hang-up for me.
0: He'll catch uh, more but than I, Cam Akers.
1: I like the uh, – okay. I'll catch more <laughs> than Cam Akers this year. <laughs> I like the cop between him and uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, solid with the parallels there, uh, especially in the same division. Uh, Rashad Bateman, I think he can overcome the limited volume. Um, I think of him probably very similarly to the way you think of him, and I actually think in a few years we're going to look at him the way we look at Terry McLaurin, where the situation could definitely get better, uh, but the player's talent is enough to overcome that and still be a wide receiver two in fantasy, if not maybe a wide receiver one. Uh, Mark Andrews, I think he's fairly uninspiring. I can't really justify taking him over TJ Hawkinson or the tantalizing upside of uh, your boy Kyle Pitts. So Woo! he seems more like a tight end dependent um, threat than, uh, than a volume threat when, when they bring in as many wide receivers as, as they have and, and really want to get more uh, work to the wide receiver position as opposed to what, what he's been benefiting from is a ton of volume at that position. So other than that, uh, what you said about Lamar makes a ton of sense, I'm on board.
0: All right, rounding out the AFC North, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. He may be undervalued. He's probably going into his last season. He's got great receivers. Take it for what he is. He's a QB3 with high-end QB2 upside on any given week. As uh, backup, Mason Rudolph, might be a stash. If they don't address the quarterback position, he might be a starting quarterback next year. That obviously has a place in Dynasty Superflex. Running backs, Najee Harris, Anthony McFarlane, Kalen Balaj. This is Najee's backfield. These other guys are death pieces, so don't get fooled of what they do in the preseason. Wide receiver room, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. Love all three of these guys. Uh, Juju probably offers the highest floor of the group, Claypool the highest ceiling, and Deontay Johnson probably falls somewhere in between. So I'm a fan of getting any of these guys at ADP right now. Tight end, Eric Ebron, Pat Firemuth. eh, Tight end premium only. I'm really not a fan of that situation at tight end.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it starts and ends in Pittsburgh with Najee Harris. He's a volume-dependent RB1. I've been vocal about my concerns with him long-term um, just because of the the way that they're building their team there in Pittsburgh. But I can't deny his floor for at least the next two years. He's about as safe as they come at the RB spot. Um, I'll continue to push Deontay Johnson until I can no longer do it. I think he's, he has the most value of the three major wide receivers on this team. He's a solid long-term asset with a fantastic floor, a guy you can get as your RV or wide receiver three in drafts. Chase Claypool has a higher ceiling and may just surpass Deontay Johnson early in, in 2021. It wouldn't surprise me, but I can't really justify taking him over Deontay just yet um, because of my concerns with Chase Claypool and his, the potential for that touchdown um, rate to come way down. Juju is what he is. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be an alpha. I think he's proved that to us. I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one anywhere. I'm not sure if any teams are going to be clamoring to sign him at the end of this year. Um, but he's solid. He's about the, the probably the most. Uh, he's probably the safest of the three this year um, because we do have that concern with drops with, with Deontay Johnson. Although I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It, it is a concern. And then Fat, Pat Fryer, Fat Fryer, uh, yes, probably, probably probably more than most uh i i think i like him more than most people um i don't think he has, he has a ton of value in 2021 but i do like his projection long term in the nfl a guy that i think is worth you know sending away a a, a bench asset or a late round pick to get him especially in tight end premium i think he's a guy you'd love to stash
0: all right one division down one division rapid fire
1: on to the AFC East. I'm kicking us off here with the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen just signed that massive contract. I think he's a top five quarterback for the next decade. Stephon Diggs should see little regression this year, but I'm still comfortable taking him as a top five wide receiver in Dynasty and in Redraft. Zach Moss, he's coming off an injury. I still think he represents a solid floor and a guy with some touchdown upside. Uh, A Solid low-end RB2, high-end RB3. Um, a guy that you can get a few starts out of this year and uh, there's no real player uh, on offense or uh, at the tight end position that would I would really want on my team but a guy that I've been vocal about I think has the potential to break out is Dawson Knox um, I think he he checks a lot of boxes the main one being athleticism he's also doing a fantastic offense and they did lose one of their biggest targets coming into this year in John Brown so maybe Dawson Knox picks up on some of those empty targets.
0: Buffalo Bills, a team that I'm going to have little to no exposure of. I expect this entire offense to take a big step back this upcoming season. Now, don't put words in my mouth. I still like Josh Allen as a QB1. I still like Siphon Diggs. wing I put Stephon Diggs as a WR1, but I'm pretty much fading the rest of the offense. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, neither of them provide much upside for me, even if one of them took the entire backfield by the rings. I don't think RB1 or even high-end rb 2s in that range of outcomes. In the receiver core, maybe the one guy I do like above value is going to be Gabriel Davis at the off chance that he does become that number two receiver for Josh Allen, which is something he hasn't really had yet. He's a good quality receiver in the red zone, so if he puts together a double-digit touchdown season, I won't be shocked. I'll be a little bit surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked as far as emmanuel sanders cole beasley tail end of career guys i really don't like stashing these guys so if you can get anything for him i'm all for selling dawson knox i guess i agree that he's probably an end of roster stash but probably nothing more
1: very well The miami dolphins i, I you know i've been vocal about this as well but i'll keep saying it i think two is being undervalued especially at superflex um, I think between the investment and the circumstances that he had coming into last year, it, it was set up to fail. Okay, and he's coming into this year where he's healthy finally for the first time in his NFL career. He's healthy. He's got a bunch of brand new uh, weapons that he can throw to. I think the arrows is, is certainly pointing up for Tua, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. Another, or like I said, uh, I think he's going to be—he's going to play faster. He's going to be more aggressive. A guy I think you should invest in. Ideal long-term QB2 in Dynasty. Uh, Miles Gaskin a one-year rental sell if you can for a two-plus If you can or if you're a contender, maybe hold on to him get as much as you can of him this year Just know that you're not going to be able to recoup the value that he has right now a year from now Um, If you're gonna wait on tight end, uh, I would say keep waiting Don't don't just pick Gasecki because he's the next guy in the queue wait a little bit longer take Tyler Higbee if you can Uh, Jalen Waddle He's concerning. I wouldn't say he's a, he's a total stay away, but between the injury, uh, the poor reports of him coming out of camp, uh, the potential for him to be a one-trick pony in the NFL, a lot of concerns with Jalen Waddle. Um, and I think there's a better version of Jalen Waddell in Will Fuller already on the roster. Uh, so I'm definitely concerned about him. And I love Will Fuller at cost this year, 80 in the 10th round. Get your hands on Will Fuller. Bite the bullet in week one as he still serves as suspension. And then uh, have him in your lineup regularly from there on out.
0: Yeah, big fan of this Miami offense. A quarterback, two is going to take a step up this year. It's going to happen with his arm. He finally has weapons. Last year, he was thrown to a barren receiver core. That has been addressed with, like you said, Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller. Fuller, probably the best value in fantasy football right now with where you can get him in drafts. Waddle, the only wide receiver under contract in 2022 of those big three that we're going to talk about. And then the incumbent, Devontae Parker. I think he's fine, but there's a good chance that this is his last year in Miami, so I really don't want much to do with it i think that miles gaskin is fine in redraft but this is a dynasty show and specifically one where we sell miles gaskin i expect for him to have a just fine 2021 maybe even put up rb2 numbers but next year he's going to be erased he's going to be irrelevant remember that you heard it over a year ago from right here on the fantasy Execution podcast and i'm not going to lie you're love for Hunter Long is starting to turn me off of Mike Gasicki. I think he may have been a victim of circumstance last season where he was just one of the only guys available as a target. That's not the case this year. If Mike Gasicki takes a big step back, I'm not going to be shocked. So give me some Hunter Long late fading Mike Gasicki.
1: Good choice there, But We are a Miles Gaskin hater podcast and a New York Jets lover podcast. Yes. Speaking of the Jets, I'm going to say it Again, And you guys may be sick of hearing this, but stop fading, Zach Wilson. I've said it a million times. I won't stop. Um, I think he is a fantastic value in drafts, especially in dynasty drafts, going as a low-end QB2. I think he could be a low-end QB1 if he hits, um, or even just a a stable QB2 on your roster for a long time. Um, Only player I'd really prioritize right now in New York is Elijah Moore. I love his projection, and we talked about how low he's going in uh, Dynasty Startups right now. A fantastic player to buy. If you can get them at the end of the first round in your rookie draft. if they haven't happened yet, pull the trigger on it. Um, I don't mind Corey Davis, but I'm not prioritizing, by, prioritizing him by any stretch. I think he has a role in that offense. I think he could be a solid wide receiver two um, in that offense, maybe a wide receiver three in fantasy, but nothing more. Um, tight ends here are worthless garbage. Stay away from him. Uh, Michael Carter has some upside. Uh, I know Kyle's not a big fan of him, but you could probably see them upgrading that position as early as this time next year. So, um, probably not a long term asset. A guy you could probably get some solid starts out of this year. Maybe you get enough hype out of him that you could trade him for something more valuable. Um, but that's about it for the Jets. Arrows pointing up for them as a team. Not a ton of assets currently to really buy into. J-E-T-S.
0: Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, like you said, this is a team with the arrow pointing up. Probably only two or three guys as you look at the top and bottom of these fantasy assets that you can predict to be on the team in a couple years. Two that are going to be here for sure, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore. Looking forward to seeing that chemistry develop as they get into their rookie season together. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Corey Davis hang out as their wide receiver too for a while. Like him as a deep flex play because he has those boom weeks, as many as anyone in the NFL. Running back situation I'm not sold on. I do expect some big Weeks from Michael Carter. I like Tevin Coleman as a super late sleeper. If you need someone to patch the way for you in the first few weeks of the draft, maybe if you're a Travis Etienne or a uh, Javante Williams owner and you need someone to get you through the first few weeks, obviously Tevin Coleman has familiarity with this system. I wouldn't be surprised to see him lead the backfield. As far as the rest of the wide receivers, Jameson Crowder, Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, these are guys you can stash late, but I'm not predicting them to really do much. A couple of these guys have been in the league for a while, and Cole and Crowder. And I think they're fine as maybe deep flex or just security type plays. And Denzel Mims may be out of the NFL at the trajectory he's at in a couple of years. Yeah, tight ends, a pack of ass, stay away.
1: And the New York Patriots, the New York Patriots,
0: the New York Patriots. Geez, this this rapid fire thing is really getting
1: to me. <laughs> <The> New England <laughs> Patriots, <laughs> stay away or sell Cam Newton if you can. And uh, I could say that while also uh, having the connection to Mac Jones, I want you to buy a Mac Jones. So stay away from Cam Newton by Mac Jones, quarterback's holder of value. Cam Newton has had his day in the sun, and he is fading and fading fast in fantasy. If you can get anything for him now, now is your time to do so. Mac Jones, I like his projection to the NFL. I like his projection to this offense. And I think that they have the guys around him uh, in terms of the way they're going to scheme an offense, that he could succeed there. I think you're going to see a lot of Alabama concepts. You're going to see a lot of stuff that makes him comfortable. As a rookie quarterback, I think he's going to be starting by midseason. So it's a guy you can invest in early now, before he's the starter, and uh, reap the rewards later. Damian Harris, I've talked about him a million times as well. He's my dude. I love what he can be this year. And I think his ADP in the sixth round is a nice price point for his potential um, in in Dynasty startups. He's a guy that could see a lot of volume. He could be in the the mold of uh, Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, where you're not seeing a ton of passing volume. Uh, as a runner and uh, a team that prioritizes the run and has a fairly good offensive line, he could be that type of back for you, a solid RB2, I think. Stay away from the pass catchers. Uh, I talked about fading them last week. Uh, I think that they threw a lot of money at guys that may not really deserve all that money, and I don't think they're going to be able to live up to the contracts that they signed. The tight ends in this offense, I like them both individually, but I honestly think they're going to cannibalize each other. It's going to be really hard to figure out who's going to be Uh, The main target from a week-to-week standpoint and uh, you know until we know for sure I'd say stay away if you want to take on shot on anybody. I'd say Hunter Henry uh, Because he's slightly cheaper than Johnny Smith right now. Uh, But that's it for the New England Patriots.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with Mac Jones. Not in love. Don't hate it. But I do hate Cam Newton. I've been saying for six years the guy can't throw the football. He gets it done because he's just an athlete out there. But now he's a, what, 32, 33 year old athlete. Not as athletic when compared to the rest of the NFL anymore. So I'm getting out of him if I'm still stuck under him. At running back, swing. God, we're going to have a lot of swings this episode. As far as running backs go, Damian Harris should be the lead back of a run-heavy offense. He doesn't catch the ball, and with Cam under center, he may not score a lot of touchdowns, so his top side, or his upside is limited, but he will present a solid low-end RB2, high-end RB3 floor. As far as the pass catchers, Aguilar is fine as a deep play for contenders. I am buying Jacoby Myers at the end of my bench because there, I think there is a possibility that if uh, Mac Jones takes over and throws the football a little bit more, he may leech on to Myers, who's still only 24 years old. As far as the tight ends, neither one of these guys have ceilings anymore. Both are fine floor plays, and they're going to end up as low-end tight end ones, probably high-end tight end twos if they stay healthy. But outside of tight end premium, there's really not a place for that in fantasy. You want to shoot for the ceiling. So I got nothing to do with Henry or Smith, but like you, if I had to pick between the two, give me Hunter Henry, who I think is actually good at football.
1: That does it for the AFC East. We're moving on to AFC South, Kyle. You're taking the lead on these guys. I think we're going a little slow. We might need to speed it up.
0: Yeah, let's get it going. Uh, So, quarterback, Carson Wentz. Obviously, he's injured. I'm still stashing him if I got onto it. Don't panic. I think he was one of my late uh, QB2, QB3 sleepers going into this season. So, I still like his upside when he eventually comes back. Jacob Eason's obviously worth a roster in Superflex, But outside of that, obviously, stay away. Jonathan Taylor, one of the highest floors you're ever going to get at running back, should get plenty of volume. Naheem Hines is a great late target for anyone who needs that fill in at the RB3 or flex play. wide receiver Michael Pittman was a popular sleeper before the Carson Wentz injury but the guy that I was going for Paris Campbell he's going a few rounds later than Michael Pittman and he has flashed upside in the times he's been able to stay on the field so if he puts together a full 17 game season I wouldn't be surprised to see Campbell at the head of this committee in Indianapolis the old head of that committee T.Y. Hilton yeah nothing to do with him same OBJ mentality He's past his prime if he has a good week sell 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 at tight end there are Mo Alley-Cox believers out there. I'm not really one of them. Jack Doyle's still playing in front of him, and he's a not a fantasy-friendly tight end. So I'm staying out of that tight end room. I still like the values you're going to get just about everywhere else.
1: Uh, Carson Wentz, another injury. Uh, coming off the worst season of his career, maybe the worst season in any starting quarterback in football last year. I would stay away personally uh but if you're desperate for quarterbacks and super flex you can probably get him cheaper the cheapest you can get him is probably right now and uh maybe he does pan out so grab him if you can jonathan taylor his value doesn't obviously takes a little bit of a bump when a guy like Quentin nelson one of the best offensive linemen in football hurts his foot and may be out for half the season uh that's concerning but overall i think the volume is going to be there to maintain his status as a potential RB1 this year, but uh, definitely an RB1 in Dynasty for for long-term purposes. I like Naheem Naheem Hines, what he brings. Uh, He could be a solid bye week fill-in or a guy that can give you some boom-week performances, especially on a team that lacks some talent uh, at at the pass catcher position. Tight ends, not really a fan of any of them. I like Stash and Kyle Granson, a rookie that they they drafted this past year, I believe he's a fourth round pick. Solid draft capital for a tight end, very athletic kid. And uh, Michael Pittman, I think he has the potential to break out this year, but it's going to require some some average, at least, quarterback play. And if Carson Wentz is out, I don't think you're getting out from Jacob Easton. So I think the biggest loser from the Carson Wentz injury was, in fact, Michael Pittman. Hard for me to get too excited about him anymore.
0: All right, moving down south, the Flow Rider, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, the bust-proof proof. <laughs> Bus proof prospect <laughs> win at the 101 to Jacksonville. This guy's going to be challenging Mahomes for the best player in the NFL by 2025. Mark Horwitz, right now, the guy shit. is that talented. Travis Etienne. This is going to be his backfield a calendar year from now. So if you're a James Robinson owner, get out now before both of these guys go side by side on a football field and you see how much better Travis Etienne is than Robinson. Get out while you can. Wide receiver room. The Vista sh- Jesus Christ! Jacksonville's going to be the <laughs> death of <in> me. Today. <laughs> LaVisca Chanel is a solid buy as the wide receiver, too. I don't think he's the wide receiver one for that team, at least in the next couple of years. I don't think that guy's on the roster yet, but I do like where he's going in drafts right now, and he should be a favorite of Trevor Lawrence early on. Sell DJ Chark at your earliest convenience. He's in a more or less shallow receiver room right now. Probably not going to be here in a year. Marvin Jones is here. He's going to take his job. I predict him to have a better 2021 than DJ Chark. I like him at the end of my bench on contenders to get a spot play here and there. The tight end room, yuck. The AFC South may be the worst division in football when it comes to tight ends. I'm staying away from at least three of these tight end rooms, including these Jaguars.
1: Yeah, it's all I couldn't fade the tight end room in Jacksonville enough. Uh, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. Complete stay away from me. Uh, What I will say, LaVisca Chennault, he is, in fact, the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. And mark my words, he is the second best wide receiver in this division right now
0: better yes, than Julio. Oh, I think
1: right, oh, gee, I think never right mind. now he's better than Julio Jones is right now. <gasps> uh 3 or 4 years ago Julio Jones would be You know, you could cut Julio Jones in half and he'd still be better than LaVisca Chenault is right now. But I think at Julio's age and LaVisca Chenault's age, I think he is a better receiver than him, only behind A.J. Brown in this division in terms of if you had to power rank these wide receivers in the division. I am a massive fan of him. I think he is a three-level threat, a guy that is going to be a certified alpha wide receiver one by the end of this season. And the biggest reason for that, other than his own talent, is the guy he's catching passes from, a guy you just... Talked about the same sentence of Patrick Mahomes. Trevor Lawrence, fantastic quarterback. He's going to be a QB1 as early as this year. He could be a top five quarterback in two years. I really like what he brings to the table and the fact that he's coming into a new organization with his running mate in Travis Etienne. I think they're going to have instant connections uh, out of the backfield. So I think what you're going to get out of Travis Etienne in year one is a lot of pass catching. In year two, I think he's really going to take on the full workload and become a three-down back in that offense in an organization that is ascending. And say what you will about Urban Meyer, I think when it comes down to on-field performance, you're going to get fantastic work out of Urban Meyer. I'm concerned about the long-term projection as more of a front office mind. But as a coach, I think Urban Meyer is great for fantasy assets. And he's going to prove it as early as week one or two here with a lot of these guys that we're talking about. Travis, uh, yeah, Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, LaVisca Chenal. Last thing I'll say, DJ Chark. uh, Man, it's so hard for me to get excited about him anymore. And it sucks because I was really high on him about a year ago. um, And now it just seems like he was fool's gold. And I fell for it. And now I'm trying to recover from it. So I'm kind of out on DJ Chark, especially at cost.
0: All right, next up, the Houston Texans. God, what a dumpster fire. At quarterback, you got a few guys to talk about here. Deshaun Watson, everyone knows there's something going on behind the scenes with Deshaun Watson. Question is, do you want to take that risk as a dynasty owner right now? Even if he misses this year, even if he misses next year, he's hopefully back in the league here in a couple years, and he'll have top five upside whenever he does. Question is, can your current roster maintain that hit should it happen? The other quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor, I think he's fine in superflex as a QB three, as long as he holds on to that job. The guy who's going to be pushing for it is Davis Mills. Remember, this guy is a third round pick this is not a blue chip prospect so I know the rookies are tantalizing to the eye before they ever step foot on the football field but Davis Mills eh, if those of you holding out hope may need to hold out for a while at running back, it's the old folks home. David Johnson, Philip Lindsay. The only guys of note should be the lead backs in that committee. I really don't want anything to do with old committee backs in a bad offense. At wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, both going at value. Collins already getting in with the ones, and that's not surprising given the receiver room that you have. And Brandon Cooks is always going to be a value. I think it's because he was in L.A. for so long, and those receivers just have to be undervalued no matter where they're at. Uh, Some deeper plays, Anthony Miller, QQQT. I'm okay with stashing either one of these guys at the end of my bench to see if one of them comes away with the slot role and more importantly stays healthy in what should be a high-volume, albeit not very effective, offense. At tight end, just like the rest of them that we've talked about, stay away. Don't want anything to do with it.
1: I will say Brevin Jordan, the guy they drafted out of Miami, I wouldn't mind a late stash there at tight end. Other than that, I agree with you, though. Tight end room's got 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 a stench to it it's stinky uh, tire, wide receivers uh, I really liked Nico Collins' projection before he got drafted to Houston and then Houston took him with their limited draft capital it, early they took him in the third round I think that was only their second pick in the draft after they took Davis Mills with their first pick um, I think you know Jalen Hurts is going to be your quarterback here in no time uh, so <laughs> think about that projection uh, simmer on that one um, but other than that, man, I really am not inspired by any of these backs or any of the other quarterbacks. It's either Deshaun Watson or bust in Houston at the quarterback position. Uh, you won't see me investing in guys like Davis Mills, and uh, you know I'm going to be wrong about them. But I just I can't see them succeeding. Situation matters too much for players in the NFL, especially young quarterbacks. And a guy like Davis Mills who doesn't Davis Mills who doesn't have a ton of um, He doesn't have a ton of reps in college, so you're going from limited reps in college uh, with a solid physical projection, uh, coming into uh, the absolute worst position you can come into in football, I'm staying away.
0: Alright, from one of the worst situations in football to a pretty good one in the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill, in his resurgence as a quarterback, finds himself as a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Big fan of him. Obviously, at running back, Derrick Henry is one of the best in the business. However, in my opinion, those wheels are falling off eventually. I think now is peak time to sell. One guy that I'm stashing in the running back room is Darrington Evans. We haven't seen Derrick Henry really come off the field for much, but if those wheels do fall off and he finds himself injured at some point this season, look for Darrington Evans to be that next man up in what should be a high-volume running game. At wide receiver, big fan of the top two, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. A.J. Brown is an elite fantasy asset at the wide receiver position right now, and I still think we're maybe a couple years away from Julio Jones completely falling off a cliff. Like I said at the top of the show, this guy is a unicorn. Don't put anything behind him. Don't put anything past him. I think is don't a fine. you dare get
1: behind Jones.
0: <laughs> Josh Reynolds, I think, is a fine stash at the end of your bench. Remember how the hype was for him before Julio came to town. He is not as young as he used to be. I think he's 26 years old, but I still think he's fine. Should Julio or A.J. Brown miss time, he steps right into that wide receiver two role in Tennessee. And then a tight end, Anthony Ferkser. I put him on Will Fuller levels of undervaluedness with where he's going in drafts right now. He had a better season last year than we saw out of John Smith and he's being criminally undervalued with no one else to compete with in the tight end room. I look for him to have a high mark of touchdowns and plenty of volume. If he stays on the field for all 17 games, love getting him late in drafts.
1: I have two major regrets in life, not investing in Bitcoin when it was still like a meme (laughs) and (laughs) cutting Anthony Ferkser at the end of last season. You idiot. Two major regrets. That's all I could really say, though. Uh, I will say I really like the uh, passing offense here. I think Ryan Tannehill is a great low-end QB1, high-end QB2. A guy that if you don't want to draft quarterback early in Superflex, he could be a solid first quarterback for you um, and a guy that you can rely on in a very efficient passing offense with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones's two primary targets. already talked about Anthony, Anthony Ferkser. I'm high on all these guys. Uh, I don't know if you can get a ton of value from Julio after this year. So if you're not a contender, you probably want to sell him. Get, get out from under him now um, and then you know, reap the awards of that later. Um, with Derrick Henry, like you said, this is probably the last year you get a ton of value out of him. But I don't think you can get the value uh, for him at... Cost. He's going as probably a top six running back right now, and I don't really think you can get your money's worth there because, you know, even if he leads the league in rushing, this will be like the third year in a row that he would lead the league in rushing. Uh, let's say he gets 1,600 yards rushing; that's a ton of yards. But I, I don't think the passing volume is going to be there for him. And if they're not leading in a lot of games, he can kind of get game scripted out. And with guys like Julio and AJ Brown there, demanding a lot of targets. I'm not so sure that they're going to be as run-heavy as we've seen in the past. So I probably am lower on Derrick Henry than a lot of people. Um, I probably, I think I have been lower on Derrick Henry's entire career than most people have, uh, which usually come back to bite me in the ass. But uh, I'm sticking to it this year. I think he's, he's gone a little too
0: high. All right, that's three divisions down. Kansas AFC City West, Chiefs, Denver dude. Broncos. What? I'm up first. Oh, <laughs> right, you're starting us off. What? Oh, shoot. All right, yeah, you're up. My bad. The Broncos come before the Chiefs. Marco's <laughs> come before the, the
1: Kansas- Chiefs, right? No, I am starting oh with God. the Kansas City Chiefs. you got to start with the Chiefs. They are a fantasy gold mine. The number one asset in Superflex, the number one asset in Dynasty Superflex, without a doubt, and probably will be for the next 10 years, is Patrick Mahomes. It starts and ends with him in any fantasy conversation, especially in Superflex. He's phenomenal. He's going to be good for a very long time. He's going to set and break his own records in no time. Uh, if you, if there's any possible way you can get Patrick Mahomes on your team, do it. I don't know if there's such thing as overpaying for Patrick Mahomes. So we have the number one quarterback in fantasy. We also have the number one wide receiver in Tyree Kill. Uh, we talked about it way, probably about two months ago when we did our our wide receiver rankings episode. I think he's the wide receiver one, and I don't think it's relatively close. His game breaking ability and his hyper efficient production uh, can lead to him winning you weeks single handedly. And not to mention his volume is there to, to, to remain a consistent producer, not just a boom-week producer that some people kind of look at him, look at him as. Uh follow that up with still and still the remaining tight end one. Okay? Don't let those Kyle Pitts fanboys distract you. Travis Kelsey is still the king of the tight end position. His production and consistency will continue for at least another two years. He's a rare combination of being safe while also being... A top-tier talent, bend the knee. Travis Kelsey is still your king, and then Miko Harman, a guy I feel like I have to talk about because he's getting a lot of pub. Uh, I don't think he's worth the investment. I think he's proven to us that he's not a great wide receiver. Yes, he he's probably the wide receiver too in Kansas City, which could lead to some production, but I think it leads to more of a uh, a higher perception of his value than his actual value. So if you can get off him under him, sell him. Do so. I mean, he's going around guys like Curtis Samuel, Rashad Bateman, guys I'd much rather have uh, than Miko Hartman right now. And uh, yeah, I know uh, Kyle likes No. What is it? Noah Gray, the back right. tight in there. It uh, may be worth a stash in, in tight end premium leagues, but that's about it there in Kansas City.
0: Completely echo your sentiment on Mahomes. He is at the top of the game. I don't think you can overpay when this guy's at his best. I think he's the most talented quarterback that I've ever seen. At running back, Clyde edwards hilaire had a pretty good season last year, in spite of all the negative publicity. Sorry, he wasn't the rookie RB three like everyone thought he was going to be. Look for him to bounce back and have another solid low-end or RB one this season. Also, like Damien or uh, Daryl Williams. Late, if you can get your hands on him, just in case CEH doesn't plan out the way that I expect him to, it's a solid backup plan. At wide receiver, Tyreek Hill's outstanding. Like you said, he's somewhere between one and three in your dynasty rankings, no matter who you are. Mikal Hardman, I completely agree with. I'm avoiding all this hype. I think Mikal Hardman was drafted to be a Tyreek Hill replacement plan, should Tyreek Hill miss time. I don't think he's their number two receiver. I don't think that guy's on the roster. Don't really care for, uh, Byron Pringle or DeMarcus Robinson I'm fine with stashing him late if you just want to get a piece of this Kansas City offense but don't expect much production out of them Travis Kelsey another guy who's going to make my bold predictions list when we talk about him let's just say he is nowhere near my tight end one in fantasy and yes I love stashing Noah gray late I think the wheels are eventually coming off of Travis Kelsey I think it's happening sooner than later and I want Noah gray the Travis Kelsey heir apparent to pair with Patrick Mahomes for his long as possible
1: this rapid fire stuff is messing with my brain i didn't even talk about ceh <laughs> I was <scared>
0: <laughs> well don't care. you like him you hate him
1: or oh yeah I, I think he's i think he's uh locked and loaded rb2 at least with weekly boom potential um i mean you, you outlined it really well ceh great asset to have on your team um moving on though we're going on to denver uh stranger things have happened than drew lock breaking out you know that that is still no, a possibility no, i don't want to I don't. I don't want to completely uh, rule it out, but I am not just going to set a pick on fire in hopes that we see a Josh Allen like leap. You know that the chances of that happening very slim. I think it's time to give up on Drew Lock. Um, as the great Ben Solak once said, "Shout out Ben Solak." We as a country <laughs> need to move on from Drew Lock. He's not good. He's never going to be uh-huh. good. <laughs> move on, uh, Javante I Williams. Knew that one. <laughs> javante williams he could be at a discount now but uh will be i think roughly a third round pick in startups this time next year uh if you can get him anywhere i I would get my hands on him for sure melvin gordon uh early season asset i think he's going to produce for you especially uh you know if you're a contender i think he's a guy you want to keep on your team um but if you're not sell him now uh, if he has any value remaining especially if you can sell him to the javante williams owner you're probably going to get more for him than you will anywhere else um, every di- Denver wide receiver can be had at a discount. Cortland Sutton, I think he has a skill set to dominate, and he's proven it. Uh, catching passes from Drew Locke, which I think, uh, I assume he'll he'll be catching passes from Drew Locke again next year. Uh, and his wide receiver 40 ADP is, is essentially robbery. Uh, I think he is a locked and loaded uh, low-end wide receiver 2 to start the season. If he gets a better quarterback, maybe a high-end wide receiver 2 uh, next year. Jerry Judy's ADP has gotten to the point where I can't really justify it. He's going as like an early, like a high-end wide receiver two, mid-tier wide receiver two. I don't think you can really justify that right now, which kind of sucks because I've been high on him all offseason. Um, but the hype is getting too high. People are, are starting to draft him really high. And uh, I think you're kind of drafting him at his ceiling, so I wouldn't do that. KJ Hamler, one of the best pure deep threats to come out of the draft in, in the past few years. But he's never proven anything. He doesn't have much to offer. Uh, with the with the limited talent at quarterback right now, I think he's just a late-round guy that you can stash. You could say the same thing about Tim Patrick, a late-round guy that you can stash uh, has shown some potential. And no offense, I think he's the last tight end uh, being taken that has true elite upside. Uh, he's going as tight end nine right now, a mid-round pick. I think that's solid value on him, especially if you're in a tight end premium league and you don't want to pay up for one of those top three to five guys. No offense, should be a solid target for you.
0: Very similar... Perspectives on these Broncos, so I'm not going to have too much to add. If I have Drew Lock or Teddy Bridgewater right now and they end up winning the job, I'm selling these guys as soon as another quarterback gets injured in Superflex. I'm going to trade them away to the owner that's in need of a starting quarterback. I don't want anything to do with them in single quarterback, so I'm cutting bait right away. Uh, the running back room, I think we said about Javante Williams, it's perfect. His value is only going up. Melvin Gordon, I don't think he has a lot of value left, so if I can't sell him to maybe the Javante Williams owner or get a bargain somewhere, I'm probably just riding that one out. As far as the receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, love all four of these guys. And as soon as Denver addresses the quarterback position, maybe as soon as next offseason, all four of them will receive massive spikes in their value. So I want to get at least one of them on every fantasy team that I own. Totally. We are almost done
1: here. we got two more teams. Bear with me. The Raiders. The Raiders. Derek Carr is undervalued, which I never thought I'd say. He's a solid floor play at quarterback two in Superflex. Uh, and he's going outside the top 20 quarterbacks. Um, I think he can be just fine for you and nothing more. Josh Jacobs, I think he can still provide a solid floor from a volume standpoint. Uh, but I think he's being severely overdrafted at RB12 in startups. Uh, he's got a patchwork or line. And uh, you know, at RB12, I don't think he's providing you any value in the draft. There's not a single wide receiver here I'm excited about. Uh, the chances of these second-year wide receivers, uh, Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, breaking out are slim to none I wouldn't overpay for those guys if you scoop them up um, and they do hit maybe trade high I don't think this offense or this organization is going in the right direction I'm not sure they can sustain any type of production there Uh, so if somebody really loves Brian Edwards and he puts on a solid one to two week performance maybe it's time to move on and then Darren Waller he's the true gem of this offense in an otherwise disgusting fantasy landscape out there in Vegas uh, he's my tight end, too, by a fairly comfortable margin over a Kittle. I think he's, he has the volume, um, he has the talent, and he has the stability with the contract that he just signed. So, all in all, Darren Waller's a buy. Everyone else here, I think, is a sell. If you have to uh, really wait on quarterback two or maybe your quarterback three, I wouldn't be mad at Derek Carr.
0: All right, as always, I have to be the optimist with this team. I'm a lot higher on the Raiders than I think you are. Uh, Derek Carr, I would agree with your assessment. Low-end QB2, high-end 3, but he does present a floor that you're not going to get from a lot of guys in that range. Josh Jacobs, I think, is actually being undervalued. If he is going, in fact, at RB12, like you said, I think that ADP may be a little bit outdated. I'm not paying that price, but really where I see him going in drafts a lot more is more around that RB18, RB20 range, and I think he's going to outperform that. He still has one of the safest floors in the National Football League in spite of Kenyon Drake coming in. Drake I want nothing to do with. He's a role player and I don't think he's going to cut into Josh Jacobs' workload. Uh, The wide receivers, I'm a buyer of both Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards at cost. I do not predict some sort of breakout that these guys are going to be WR1s or even WR2s but I think Ruggs has a high weekly ceiling and Edwards has massive red zone potential so I like having my hands on both of these guys because I think they can provide those spike weeks. John Brown has a been making a lot of noise in camp in spite of being really the only veteran in that room so I'm probably hands off there and Hunter Renfro has already outperformed what I thought he was going to do in the NFL he's an accountant that's playing football. Have you seen the guy? I want nothing to do with him. Uh, tight end. Yeah, Darren Waller. He's as safe as you can get at the tight end position. Uh, one name to keep in the back of your rosters, Foster Moreau. I was a big fan of him coming onto Oakland before Darren Waller broke out. And obviously, the Waller has really just put an end to those plans. But I do like Foster Moreau as a late stash should something happen to Darren Waller.
1: Yeah, that's a good call. Foster Moreau, I, I liked him as well coming out of the draft. And he does often get forgotten about, especially by me. So... Final team here on our rapid fire segment on the AFC side of things is the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert, the headliner here. I think he's going to see a little bit of regression, but I don't care. He's a talented 23-year-old quarterback, and in superflex, that's worth being taken in uh, you know late first, early second round. Austin Eckler. Lives off of efficiency, and uh, I don't see that changing this year. I mean, he catches a ton of passes. And uh, that being said, he's 26. With his build and play style, I don't think he's really a player that can afford to lose a step. So if he loses a step, I think you could see his his workload and his just general value take a massive hit. Um, I think in most leagues, he's going to be a great asset for a year or two. But if you're not contending, uh, you're going to get very high value for him right now if you want to sell. Keenan Allen could be the wide receiver one this year. He's a guy compared to Marvel's Hawkeye, due to how underrated his career has been and how sneaky important he could be to your fantasy team. So I think he's a locked and loaded wide receiver one. I think he could end as the wide receiver one this year. Mike Williams, he's going too late as a low end wide receiver three in my opinion. He's a guy who can easily have a thousand yards and/or double digit touchdowns. He's only 26 years old. His competition is Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and that's about it. I mean, with Hunter Henry gone, I don't think you're going to see a ton of volume going to the tight end position. Jared Cook's there. Um, he's always been just kind of a guy. Uh, he'll catch some touchdowns, but he, he's not going to be a high volume threat there. Um, there's that, you know, Donald Parham hype that we've seen uh, <laughs> over the past like 18 months. Donald Parham's name's been floating around. Um, but I don't think he's gonna be anything. So yeah, stay away from the tight ends in my opinion. I mean, Jared Cook's ancient He's 34 years old and uh, the rest of the guys here. I think I are, are, Have a, there's a lot of hype and I think it's for the right reasons there in, in uh, LA
0: Yeah, I'm gonna echo your Justin Herbert take I do expect a little bit of a step back as far as the massive ceiling that we saw from Herbert but I do expect a little bit of a higher floor on a week to week basis I want to see some more consistency out of them in year two and I think the way that that happens is instead of being Keenan Allen every single week do you see these guys like either Mike Williams or Jalen Guyton start to be a little more consistent with their play which is something Mike Williams owners have been wanting for the last five years. Uh, at running back, Austin Eckler, he's as safe a guy as you can get. If he starts to bring in the touchdown upside that we saw from him a couple years ago when Gordon was out, then he's a top five running back. But he's going to present the running or the passing game floor which is going to keep him as a low-end RB1 most likely for at least this season. Uh, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, don't want anything to do with these guys. They had their chances last year when Eckler went out. Neither of them stepped up, so I don't see anything happening in the near future. Tight end, I pretty much agree. Jared Cook's a fine streamer. If you're hoping for some Touchdown upside. He does bring that on a week to week basis. And Donald Parham, I'm fine with stashing at the end of my bench should Jared Cook move on and he takes the lead job from one of the top 10 to 15 quarterbacks in fantasy football.
1: Holy shit, we did it. We are done the rapid fire section for today. We have one final segment, my favorite.
0: Got, uh, remember Joike Bell? Joike Bell is a good one, right? Oh, dude, Joike, what a Bell. callback! Joyke running Bell. back I for did... the Detroit Lions was he he was before Reggie Bush, right? I believe so. I think yeah, during yeah. that whole stretch of all these Detroit running backs when they went however many 50 years or whatever without a running back getting a thousand yards, Joike Bell looked so good through like four weeks. He looked like, oh, they found it. There's the Barry Sanders incumbent. And then, obviously, Detroit just does Detroit things. Which I saw a tweet the other day. I, f- I forget who tweets it, so I'm sorry. I can't give credit. But the Detroit Lions have maybe the best combination of quarterback, running back, wide receiver to never win a Super Bowl in Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford. Like, can you name a better trio wow. for a franchise to never win a Super Bowl? Those three are like... Stafford's probably not Mount Rushmore level, but as far as Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, these are like top five guys ever at their position. And so much talent just wasted by just yet another like, uh, incompetent organization. Miami had, of course, Dan Marino. Sure. Everyone yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: who's that? Mario Williams, the running back? Is that what his name is?
0: is it Mario Williams? The one I would think of would be, uh, uh, what's his name? From Texas. The, 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 the pothead. <laughs> uh, you know who I'm talking about yeah I know they, exactly uh, uh, they didn't draft him i think it was new orleans who drafted him no, ricky williams
1: ricky williams that's what i was thinking of, not mario ricky williams. ricky williams,
0: ricky williams. Yeah, who I'm the hell friend. is mario
1: williams do i think of someone
0: Am I, th- I don't know I, I played along because i thought you were on something last time i do that i guess sorry
1: <laughs> yeah don't do that <laughs> tell everybody
0: where they can find us please hit us up on twitter at f get all the up to the latest minute news without any of the clickbait if you want to give me a follow, hit me up at ffmasterdebater. Tweetless is our host, our fearless leader, Brett Pellishotti.
1: Yeah, I'm like a, I'm like the fantasy ghost. You can never find me. I'm always just lurking in the shadows.
0: Is that really the comparison that you want to you want to be the fantasy ghost? I don't know. Is that I your mean, new nickname? You, you Do you like me, that better you or, or me worse? the
1: piggyback prophet. So I was I, gonna I say better or worse than, than, than piggyback prophet. <laughs> piggyback
0: prophet at least rolls off the tongue. Fantasy ghost is lame as hell. But
1: piggyback profits like not even are you like not original awesome but you're just wait is that a thing something somebody else is predicting
0: oh (laughs) yeah yeah. no the nickname was original though right yeah yeah sure yeah that's cool i don't know take your word for it (laughs) all
1: right love you guys peace